WNRI Woonsocket. The following program is paid programming. The views expressed on the following program are those of its hosts and participants and nowhere reflect those of the ownership, staff, or advertisers of WNRI. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready now, go There we go. That's more like it. Welcome once again to Dunn's Deal, and we're going to have a great time tonight. Thank you, Elvis, for that introduction, and... We are going to be looking at some important stuff tonight. But first, my intro. Joe Biden is not the president. He's the thief in chief, the cellar dweller, (laughs) the pretender to the throne. He's the king of crappers and he's Dementia Don. So, like I said last week, I put the uh, put it off by a week to discuss uh, 9/11. There's a lot to talk about there. Um, I'm just going to scratch the surface because I could probably study on this for the next year to really be prepared um, to talk about this and maybe even get some uh, experts in on this again. Last year, I had people from. Architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. And I, I, I was watching their video uh, today and a little bit last week. Uh, didn't have any other time throughout the week. I was <laughs> making videos out of my last week's show and working. Getting a lot of time in working now, which is a good thing. Good to get that paycheck. But um, there's a lot of things about 9-11 that we really need to look at closely. And there was one <laughs> bit of evidence, not evidence, a, a very curious statement made by a guy that's with NIST, um, the National Institute of um, Standards and Technology. And it sounded so much like something that, that uh, Dr. Fauci might say. So it's kind of weird. You know, this is, this spans the test of time because 9-11 was 21 years ago now. And I think that, um, you know, the, the hurt from it has uh, should have healed up by this time. And I'm going to come right out and say I don't think it was Osama bin Laden orchestrating the um, uh, the events from a cave in Afghanistan or Saudi Arabia, wherever he was living at the time. I don't know about the uh, the hijackers. Um, it it really looks like it was a deep state operation uh, to get us into the wars in uh, in Afghanistan and in Iraq to exert our control and our dominance over the world, but. I can't prove that. What I can show is that there are huge questions about what brought down uh, the towers. um, And they've got to be looked at. And we can't just buy the narrative from the National Institute of uh, of Standards and uh, Technology, NIST. I'll refer to it as NIST. So I don't have to throw out the, those, that big word salad. But, um, when, when, I mean, we all saw it. Uh, and I'm sure we all remember the images are, are like seared in our minds of those towers falling. But at the time, I had a friend uh, who was an architect, not, not building... High rises, not building skyscrapers and stuff, but um, you know he was a, a local architect working in uh, in Newport and Providence and stuff. So I asked him what brought down the towers, and he said the jet fuel and and the fires, you know, 
weakened the steel and uh, the towers collapsed. Well, I bought that. You know, that that answered it for me, you know. And then the story that was in National Mechanics, how once the steel had been weakened, then the floors just pancaked on each other. One fell on the other and the weight from the, the floor up above would get the other floor, you know, going. And so the whole buildings collapsed the way that they did. And... Uh, it was kind of like a simple uh, explanation, and for years I bought it. But there, there's a problem with that. I guess my my friend who was the architect didn't do much work with steel, because it turns out that the fires could not have gotten hot enough to melt the steel to to even damage the steel much. Now, supposedly, the jet fuel in the jets as they struck the towers, you know, we saw, we saw the, the huge fireball, you know, engulfing the towers and the towers catching on fire, the top stories. But how hot does the jet fuel burn? That's the question. And at what temperature does steel melt or lose its strength? Well, doing a little research into this, I found out that that uh, jet fuel burns at about 495 degrees Fahrenheit, um, which sounds like a whole lot. You know, that's uh, <laughs> certainly hot enough to incinerate any human being. But one uh, piece of information that I got uh nerd cities guardian um, but they state that that the temperature to uh, not to melt steel but it is not even close to the first critical temperature of of 1100 degrees Fahrenheit where steel loses about half of its strength and it is nowhere near the quotes of 1500 degrees Celsius that we constantly read about in our lying media. Okay. So 495 degrees is a long way from 1100 degrees Fahrenheit uh, in order to melt, in order to weaken the steel. Uh Architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth stated that steel melt at 2,800 degrees. That, that's talking about molten steel. That's not talking about weakening where the towers might fall. And you had the office furniture. You could claim that that might have increased the heat uh, in the fire, but not likely to increase it beyond 495 degrees. So the, the jet fuel fires do not explain, and the office furniture fires do not explain what brought those towers down. Also, the towers were built with a strength, with a redundancy of three to five times what was necessary to, to hold its own weight. Uh, architects and engineers, I'll just call them A&E, um, they had a quote on there where the building could lose one side and parts of two other sides and still stand. The building was built with the idea that it could get hit by an airplane. That was considered. The guy that the, the architect that that engineered it in the first place thought it through and he did say that uh, the greatest problem would be jet fuel you know because it, it you know it could spread and and harm a lot of people but that it would do basically no damage to the structure there have been a lot of of fires uh in high rises throughout the world I'm thinking of one in London. There's one in Dubai, in a very tall tower. Um, just today, I pulled out an article about a fire in a in a 
skyscraper in China. There we go. Massive inferno engulfs a 656-foot-tall skyscraper. Okay, major fires broke broken out in, at a high-rise building in the central Chinese city of Changsha. Uh, terrifying f- footage shows the 42-story skyscraper engulfed by the flames. Thick, dark smoke can be seen billowing into the sky at times, fully hiding the China Telecom Tower. Let's see. It appears that the fire has spread to all floors, reaching the top of the building. A video shared on Twitter shows office workers pacing down the stairs and then running away from the inferno. Pacing down the stairs? You'd think they'd be racing down the stairs. Uh, Let's see. The high rise burned with great intensity, Channel News Asia said, quoting the state broadcaster CCTV. Let's see, and here's the money quote. Not that it's a quote, but it was reported that the fire has now been put out with an investigation taking place to determine the cause. At present, the open fire has been extinguished and no casualties have been found, a statement from the authorities read. Okay, goes goes on and stuff, but it says nothing about fears of the building losing structural integrity says nothing about about it collapsing i mean that the article doesn't even bring that into consideration because steel and concrete structures do not get brought down by fire that's an amazing thought a fire cannot bring down a steel structure it doesn't burn hot enough, even when it's fueled by jet fuel. Again, jet fuel burns at 495 degrees Fahrenheit. Call it 500 if you want. You need twice that to weaken steel. So all the theories about, you know, the, the steel being, being weakened... And, you know, and the, the, the trusses that, that held up each and every floor uh, bending and warping and then pulling on the, uh, on the outside trusses uh, and causing the floor to, to collapse on the next one and the next and the next doesn't uh, hold water, doesn't work. Because the fire never got hot enough to affect the steel. Think about it. When, when you have a fire in a fireplace and you throw, you know, throw a couple logs, like at Christmas time, you throw the Yule log in, in there and you've, you've got it set on, uh, what do you call that thing that holds the log, the log holder? You know, usually there's like a steel... Um, Steel container, not container, but steel rods that you put them on. And it, it holds the logs up off of the floor so that, you know, embers can drop down to the bottom and you get a really good hot uh, fire going. Those steel rods never melt. I mean, you can burn all the logs, you can burn all the wood in there that you want. And that that steel... Uh, holder does not melt, does not warp. It it retains the exact same uh, shape that it had. You can, you know, after the fire is out, you know, and you've cleaned stuff up a little bit and the steel is cold, you can take it out so you can clean the fireplace well and then you put the, the steel holder back in there. It takes an extremely high temperature to melt steel. So, that brings up the question of if the jet fuel and the office furniture and everything like that couldn't bring down the, um, the structures, couldn't bring down the towers, what did? If you look at it again and watch closely... You'll see that the towers 
drop very straight. They drop vertically, vertically. And, um, you know, they, they drop straight down. Uh, they drop in the way that, that it would if there was a demolition that had um, been done there. That if, you know, if someone were to take a building down, you do, you know, you know, deconstruction, demolition. And you set the explosives in there. And, you know, it takes them out, you know, sometimes one floor at a time, sometimes a couple floors. And, you know, you can see evidence of that on on the Internet. And you can compare it to the, the 9-11 uh, destruction. There was another point about that. The way that, that it falls, it just falls uh, straight down. And, you know, if it, was, if it was a fire, if it had gotten weakened by a fire, you might have one side that, that was a little bit stronger than the other. You might get it tilting. You might get it leaning. But there was none of that. Oh, there's, there's other things before I go on with that point. Um, how come there were no jets, you know, no, um, no defense jets, no air force to intercept the uh, the jets because they were flying around for an hour after they had been hijacked before the first buildings got hit. Now there is a kind of a good answer to that. They were in Colorado doing war games, practicing against this very sort of thing, where you. <laughs> You know, they were practicing against a hijacking and how do you take control of a hijacked plane. So all of the defense jets from the East Coast were in Colorado doing these war games. I mean, if if you're going to go to war with somebody, wouldn't you like to have that kind of luck? The, the, the whole defensive apparatus, all of the war planes are gone from the area you want to attack on the very day you want to attack. And they were busy in that morning time. And so it, it got very confusing um, when uh, the planes started to attack, when they, when they hit the buildings, when the first one hit. There were no jets able to be scrambled quickly to intercept the planes. <laughs> they should have been intercepted like within 20 minutes because what, uh, what this video that I was watching states is that the FAA, and it's not the Air Force that controls the airspace, it's the FAA, but the FAA, Federal Aviation um, uh, Association, I forget what the last thing is, FAA, is supposed to contact the Pentagon within 10 minutes of a plane going off course. 10 minutes. So in 10 minutes, the Pentagon should have been alerted. Let's say a couple more minutes to tell the proper uh, jets to, to scramble and get up there and intercept the planes. Those planes should have been intercepted before they even got close to New York City. Excuse me, I'll get some coffee. Obviously, they were not because all of the jets, except a couple, were in Colorado. Now, two did get scrambled from Langley, and they were being sent to intercept um, uh, the plane that went down in Shanksville. But... Instead of being sent towards that plane, they got sent out over the Atlantic. So, that was a massive screw-up there. Let's see. The war games in Colorado were not canceled, even though a real attack was happening, until after the attacks were over. Uh, After 10 a.m., the war games were canceled, and I guess they started sending the uh, the jets back to their bases. But 
the damage was done, everything was over with, and people were dead at that time. Interesting piece that I got off that uh, video is cell phone calls could not have been put through if um, if you're above 8,000 feet. Let's see. Then there was some interesting things, uh, uh, like at the Pentagon, there was no visible debris on the lawn after the attack. And there was a lack of debris pulled out from Shanksville as well. Some people say they, they saw a missile getting fired. I, I don't know. There's not enough proof for that. That took down the Shanksville plane. But, um, yeah. Oh, and about the Pentagon. There's no film footage from the Pentagon except for two cameras. Uh, even though there were 45 cameras, and I, I, I doubt if all of them would have been on the side where the where the plane crashed. But uh, we only have two uh, film footages uh, from two cameras, uh, and it doesn't show much. It just kind of shows a flash of light uh, going into the side of the building and then the explosion. So, that was very interesting. Oh. This is something I really want to talk about here. Uh, the question is, what caused the molten steel and concrete? It was very hot after the things had come down, but that's not the big thing. Um, like I said, my first concept of, of how it happened was that the floors pancaked on each other. Um, you know, that one, you know... Floor 80 hits 79, hits 77. All all the weight combined would would gather and push down on all the other floors. And plus, if the steel was was weakened, you know you could push the steel out. That's not the way it happened, because the steel retained its strength. The floor trusses retained their strength. Um, and what was found in the rubble, the evidence was that the concrete was pulverized, not pancaked. There's no pancaking that happened here. Like, uh, remember that there was that in Miami, there, there was that, uh, building about two years ago that collapsed. You know, they built it on sand and, you know, the foundation cracked or whatever. And so you did have the pancaking of the floors. And you could see that uh, after earthquakes. You'll see that, you know, a building will collapse. And you'll you'll have one floor on top of another on top of another one. And then the rescue crews have to go in there and remove the slabs of concrete so they can get to uh, survivors or take out the dead bodies. And sorry if... Um, you people are, are having dinner at this time. I know this isn't dinner conversation, but my show usually isn't. But there, not only was the concrete pulverized, there was no office furniture that was found e either. Uh, you know, nothing to indicate people were, were in there, and you did not find dead bodies. Well, okay, there were 300 whole bodies that, that were found out of 2,749 victims. If it, say it was an earthquake, and, you know, the building did pancake on itself, you would find pretty much 2,700 bodies in there crushed uh, bodies, but there were no, well, excuse me, there were 300 bodies, 10% of what the, the total was. 90% of the people there were just 
pulverized. That happens when you have explosions. It doesn't happen when you have the pancaking effect. There has to have been some kind of internal uh, combustion besides from the jet fuel and besides from what would be in an office. And it wasn't the NRA, so there wasn't a whole lot of ammunition on each and every floor. Oh, and I wanted to bring back a, um, an item that had slipped my mind before. I was starting to talk about uh, it looked like a controlled demolition, as in when you're going to bring down a, a building. Well, it's, that's a real specific job, very dangerous job. And, uh, you know, it's highly technical, you know, and I'm sure you get paid a lot of bucks for that. But um, you would go into an empty building, obviously, and you would put charges, maybe not on every floor, on every other floor, every third floor, so that you have the, the the explosions that would bring down the floors so that you have a pile of rubble that can be removed. So the big question is, how would anybody have been able to get into the World Trade Center uh, and put enough explosives in there? Who would be able to get the access? Who would, who would have the availability And um, that's a good question. But the World Trade Center had become an albatross by that time. Uh, a lot of the floors were empty. You know, the, the whole floor would be rented out or two whole floors would be rented out to, to a company. That's the way it was built. So you could have a huge office that wrapped around the, the whole building with, you know, the elevators and the stairs in the center. So you had the whole floor. So as companies leave, because um, it, it was outdated, it was built, I think it was finished in the early 70s, but even by 2001 was outdated. You know, uh, what is it, the Superman building in downtown Providence? That That is, well, that was built in the 1920s. That is really outdated. <laughs> Yeah, the electrical system there. And it would have cost too much to update all the electronics in there and remove the asbestos. They were still using asbestos when they built the World Trade Center, and it was filled with the stuff. So to do any renovation on that building, you would have to get rid of all the asbestos, which would would have cost more than... Um, than building it from scratch. So, looks like, oh, I've got two callers here. Uh, I'll take a break from talking and see what's on their mind. Go ahead, caller, what's on your mind? Hi, Jim, it's Paul. How you doing? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm well. I'm uh, looking out over the pond at the recent rains refilled for us here in Narragansett where I now reside, and uh, I was listening to you, and uh, extremely intriguing, uh, uh, I, an insurance job on the grandest scale, I, I, it just blows my mind, and I've heard what you're saying before, I think that people just want to look away, you know what I mean? <laughs> God almighty, that, that the fact that that could have been a ruse or orchestrated, is is beyond comprehension. Yeah, it, it, it. I mean, we don't want to think like that because I mean that is really putting some um, some evil thoughts on somebody, you know. And the the information I got didn't point to a person. It was pointing at the inconsistencies and the way that this National Institute of Standards and Technology NIST how they're just doing a fountain. It's like, trust the science, trust the science. And that's what the guy says. I mean, yeah, he's, yeah. he's like a taller version of Fauci. We yeah, have done the yeah. studies, and our study says that we are right. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, they've done the Fauci. 
I think Fauci did it on a grand scale, and I think the CDC and all that uh, was equal to what uh, could have been, as you uh, point out, orchestrated with 9-11. I just can't fathom the evil that has taken hold in this world. It, it, it saddens me. Uh, uh, a, a future for our children uh, uh, looks bleak. I know there's a lot of good in the world, and you don't want to be too much of a pessimist, but... Yeah, God, we need help in a big way, don't we? Yeah, but at the same time, we can't be naive. If if there are people that would be willing to kill 3,000 Americans, and these might be fellow Americans that think like this, then we can't be naive about it, you know? No, I agree. Uh, good show, Jim. Keep up the good work. Okay. Yeah, I liked your show last night, too. Hope your, your new place uh, shapes up. Talk to you later. Okay, caller, go ahead. What's up, James? That was good to hear Paul. Yep. Yes, it was. And what he said was true, man. It's so hard to believe. It, 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 it's so far-fetched, far-fetched to try to comprehend that that story was just a big lie to start agendas. In 20 years, yep. we've gone from the war on terror to now we're domestic terrorists. And we got to pass laws to protect everybody else from domestic terrorists. That, that was one of the other things about uh, architects and engineering for 9-11 Truth. They, they were called conspiratorialists, um, you know, nut jobs. You know, they weren't called terrorists. But it just sounds so familiar. Now. And... And they couldn't get canceled at that time, but they were definitely ignored. You know? Have you heard of Alan Sobrowski? He was a director of the Army, of some type of studies at the Army War College. And he put an article online that, that uh, bit through that, that um, Hocus Pocus story, put some blame on Mossad, along with rogue elements in our intelligence agencies. A former president of Italy, Francesco Cosiga, yeah. said in a paper, I think it was called La Correa del Sol, that it was a false flag. He said it in an Italian newspaper, but you never heard about that. And then um, how about the, yep. the former FBI employee, John O'Neill, yep. who was thrown out of Yemen by an ambassador, Barbara Bodine, because he was questioning the USS Cole incident. And then he goes to work in the World Trade Center, and within two weeks he dies. He retires from the FBI. And he goes and he to work at the World Trade Center. No kidding. Yeah, yeah and, 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 and I think it was late August of 2001, he gets a job at the World Trade Center, and boom, he, he dies in that horrific attack. And, and it goes over so many people's heads because they don't want to believe, like, the, like Paul said, the total in-your-face evil that will lie to you and lie to all of us to get agendas fulfilled. And what has happened since that incident? Massive wars, nonstop wars, non-stop all, over, wars. all over the 20, Middle East, 20 all over the years Middle East. in Afghanistan, and then we pulled out, leaving eighty-five billion dollars worth of equipment there. How does that make sense? And how about the leaseholder, Larry Silverstein? Of um, he he held the lease to all three buildings, and he admitted oh. on a PBS documentary that they pulled Building Seven. Pulled is our slang terms for controlled demolition. And he admits in a PBS documentary, but they never talk about that. It's unbelievable where we're headed, man. And, yeah, well, um, well the, the dark cabal that's really running things, unfortunately. The, the, there is no reason that Building 7 should have gone down at all. It did not get hit by any planes. And there were fires on a couple of the floors. But, again, a steel structure should not be brought down by fire. And, and how about Cynthia McKinney? A question in Donald Rumsfeld about $2.3 trillion that was missing from the Pentagon defense budget. What part of the Pentagon gets hit? The part that's, that's doing the investigations. Yeah. It's yeah. just shenanigans after shenanigans, man. we got a gullible populace that's, that keeps on believing and shames people that are just asking questions, wanting the truth. And that's why, yeah. unfortunately, we're on a bad path, man. I know. I mean. That might be too late. If if the if steel melts at over fifteen hundred degrees Fahrenheit and the fire couldn't have been any hotter than five hundred degrees Fahrenheit, um, 
Wait a minute. There's a problem here. James, start an started... all-day fire in your fire pit and throw stainless steel nails in there. You'll find them after right. it's all said and done. That's right. Yeah, if you throw lumber in it with a bunch of nails, the nails yeah, will be you'll there. You'll find those no. nails. If they're stainless steel nails, you'll find those nails later if you go digging. Yeah. So, uh, hey, on, on with the satanic march, I guess. That's where we're headed. <laughs> we're, there's a horrible agenda that's going on. With uh, doing things to children and uh, just endless wars and taking away freedoms. Yep. And it seems like so few people actually really care. Oklahoma City, another lie. Another yep. lie. Yep. I got to get to this caller. I'm running out of time already. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm done uh, one last, last thing, James. Do yeah. some research on Terrence Yeke, brave Oklahoma City policeman who they claim committed suicide, and that man did not commit suicide. Terrence too close what? to the truth. Terrence Yeeke, another hero for, forgotten, and they just said that he committed suicide because he got too close to the Oklahoma City bombing truth. Yeah, either you talked about this lately or I heard it somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks for that Bye, info. Yep. Later. Later. Peace. Yep, peace. Okay, caller, what's on your mind? Hi, right, I'll be very brief. Okay. Um, you sound like the type of guy who does a lot of good research, so I'm glad that everyone's talking about this on the radio. And I want to back up the caller about the Italian. That, that's absolutely true. I had forgotten about that. He he jogged my memory. But yeah. um, um, you can find footage of this if you search. A lot of it's been scrubbed. Uh, the fr oh, this is my first example. It's thermite that's burning after the yes. powers are down. Yes. thermite, sir. Yeah, and it burns very hot, and that's, yeah, it was, that it, it was set used there on purpose. That was used to cut the the steel. The, yes, that was sir, that it, was part of the explosive that, that brought down the building. It didn't get to that yet. Yes, yeah, there's explosions on the first floor and in sub basement level three. Yeah, uh, surviving firefighters were pulled out, and the footage I saw, which I can't find anymore, it's been scrubbed uh, of the firefighter that was hurt. He had the oxygen mask on, and the other two firefighters were explaining about the explosion sub-basement three. Yeah. And suddenly the other guy got up and jumped up. He's like, we're going to tell everybody this, this could be in other buildings around here. And then the ATF guys came and took those guys. Uh, um, and another thing is there's a French uh, documentary going on exactly at that time about architecture. And when you hear the zoom of the, the jet, the Paris cameraman had his camera facing down. And when he heard it, he zoomed it up overhead. And what you see is the, 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 the double fuselage, the split fuselage of a military aircraft oh, okay. uh, that, that goes into the uh, goes into the tower there. Uh, the civilian planes don't have the split double fuselage. That's, that's, it's not indicative to the model of airplane that they stated flew into the building. I can't recall what it Which was, building? but I had researched that. Uh, that the, was the, that the, the Pentagon? Tower, the first plane. The first plane. First plane into the tower. The French the, the, got, the, the, got a camera shot of the bottom of it. Oh, because it, it certainly looks like they're commercial uh, airliners that, that go into the buildings in New York. Yeah, because you're not getting it from the bottom. The, the, the camera guy got the bottom of the plane. Oh, it's disguised, is what you're saying. I had researched that model plane when this happened, yep. and it didn't come with a double fuselage. I forget what type of plane they claimed went into the building. But it wasn't the one that they say it is. Interesting. And if you can find that, it's a French uh, architect, architectural documentary, if you can find that. And I'm glad you know about the thermite. Uh, yes. Thermite doesn't come from airplanes, sir. It does not. No, it does not. No, it, it's an inside job, sir, to bring us into the Middle East uh, to keep the U.S. dollar as the petrodollar because it was threatened by the coalition of Libya and Iraq to yep. replace the petrodollar with the dinar, which would be backed by actual gold because both those countries have six times more gold than the entire world. And it was Gaddafi and Hussein's uh, plan to topple the petrodollar. When that happens, and it's going to happen someday, yes. uh, it's all done. It's all done. Yep. Okay, i got to take a break. Uh, God bless. Yep, thank you for the call. Thank you. Yes, God bless thank you. you. Yep, bye now. Okay, so let's take a break at this this time, and we'll come back for more.
Here's author James Dunn to talk about his soon-to-be-printed next book. The King Philip's War in New England in 1675 defined the relations, for good or bad, between English settlers and Native Americans for centuries to come. Many of the battles are local to the Blackstone Providence area with long-forgotten memorials and grave sites. Smithfield was the Battle of Nipsichuk. The Battle of Sudbury in Sudbury, Mass. was a turning point. Mount Hope in Bristol, Rhode Island was the home of King Philip and the Wampanoag tribe. The Connecticut River Valley was a scene of many bloody encounters between the English and the Nipmuc tribe. South Kingston, Rhode Island, saw the Great Swamp Battle slash Massacre. One Englishman stands out in this brutal conflict. He dared to learn to fight like the Indians did and won the war for the English. It was Captain Benjamin Church in the book, Captain Benjamin Church and the King Philip's War. The United States of Empire by James Dunn shows how the U.S. became a worldwide empire. It looks at the entry of the U.S. into both world wars. George Washington had warned us about entangling ourselves in European wars. Before World War I, the United States was not concerned with foreign conflicts. In World War I, we changed the balance of power in Europe. We went in to save the world for democracy. We expelled the German Kaiser and imposed our own idea of what Germany should look like. Propaganda painted the Kaiser as the evil Hun that was destroying civilization. So when the true barbarian rose to power, Hitler, how could we avoid being drawn in again? We saved Great Britain. Britain needed us again in World War II to save their bacon. We bought the hog. Now we are the empire. The book, The United States of Empire, in paperback, is available at Amazon.com. Okay, so I'm back. And, um, yeah, there's a sad uh, story here, sad recounting, because I don't think this was an outside job. The, if this was controlled demolition that brought down these buildings, that means that somebody had to have known people that owned the building, that had control over the building. A bunch of foreigners wouldn't have been uh, allowed in there to be messing around and uh, have access, excuse me, to to the inside of the building, to the guts of the building, to be able to, to put the explosives in there that were needed to be put in. Um, so... And the thermite is another big thing. That is what is used in demolition. Uh, and it's placed in order to cut the steel so that it, it explodes the way you want it to explode. And you can control the way that it comes down. And, uh, yeah, Building 7, which was behind a, the about a block, half a block away from the, the two twin towers in New York... Um, that that never, never should have come down. And just as the Pentagon had records of of uh, financial transactions that where Rumsfeld had lost billions of dollars, Donald Rumsfeld, um, the Secretary of Defense at the time, the CIA was in Building Seven, and there were CIA records in there that got destroyed as well. So, um, very, very curious. And like I said, the thermite is used to, to cut steel in these controlled demolitions. And it burns very, very hot. Now, this is where you might get hot temperatures from uh, because thermite cannot be put out with water. And it burns for a long time. In fact, there were fires in the rubble until December 19th. 
And it's very possible that the thermite and the other chemical explosives that were used to bring the buildings down, because it would have been a lot to bring down those two stories, those two towers, I believe there was about 110 in each of them. It would have taken a lot of explosives so that those chemicals burned in the pit for months. And they do burn hot enough to cut through steel. So, it wasn't the jet fuel that brought them down. And it wasn't the office furniture fires that brought them down. Question is, what brought them down? Oh, and George Bush and Dick Cheney were in charge uh, of of the government at that time. Uh, I don't want to blame either one of them yet, but um, they should have to answer some questions. How did it happen on their watch? Hmm. Changes things a little bit, huh? But I got another caller and eight minutes to go, so let's get to it. Go ahead, Gola. What's on your mind? Hi, James. I, Hi. I um, I, I was uh, just remembering. Uh, I remember seeing a program. Uh, it's something like one of those Dateline shows that they uh, do. Yep. And it had been uh, a presentation discussing that in the to- in one of the towers, there had been some fire. Uh, maybe a few years before or a couple of years before. And I remember watching this thing and they were talking about, you know, where the fire was and how the they were curious about how it had even started back then. But what they mentioned was, and it must have been shown after it, the towers, you know, fell, but it was almost as though it possibly could have been a test run to see if they could pack these things, as you're saying, with explosives without, uh, you know, being detected. So that's just my two cents. I've never seen that again. I've never looked for it, but it's just something that's in my memory from that Mm. period of time. Yeah, it could. And you're dealing with very volatile explosives, so it's possible that there was a fire that had to be extinguished at that time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that reminds me of another point that I missed. Um, There there was a a plane crash into the Empire State Building in 1945, just after the war. And um, uh, so New York City or anyone building a skyscraper would have had that in mind, that these planes could get hit by a a plane. Yeah. Or or get uh, uh, a huge gorilla climbing up the side of it. <laughs> yeah, that that's that film. Trying yeah, to lighten it up a bit. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's so many questions we'll never get an answer to because we're not supposed to. Yeah. That is the point because, oh, I've, I've got a quote here. It was on the thick pile of notes. And at that page. That's why I almost didn't call, but it was just <laughs> bothering me that I did remember this program. And it just seemed strange that uh, they were talking about the fact that there had been this event before this all happened. And I don't know if anyone else yeah, saw it or that's, it. that's very interesting. Thank you for that call. Well, thank you. Have a great weekend. Okay, you you too. Bye-bye. Bye now. Okay, well, I've got five more minutes left, so let me finish it off with this. This is the Fauci type of uh, statement that was said by Shyam Sundar, spokesman for NIST, National Institute of Standards and Technology. These are the people that, that officially investigated the, um, the collapse of the towers and why it happened. And they, they basically said that it was a, a jet fuel fire with the office furniture and then the, the floors pancaked on each other. And how he described his investigation was, it was sound science, quote, it is consistent with all the observations we have made. 
It is consistent sound, and we are very comfortable with our findings. It is sound science, kind of like when Fauci said, I am science. You know, you weren't supposed to ever question Fauci. And um, where do you think he got that idea? This guy from NIST saying it's sound science. It is consistent with all of our observations. <laughs> we investigated it. <laughs> we are the ultimate guardians of the truth. And don't you question me. So... And then you can get into the whole issue of censorship and how Facebook is taking people off the uh, off of its site so that you can't have communication with other people because you question the science. You know, currently it's a science about uh, um, uh, you know about uh, COVID. Um, back then it was the science about. The bringing down of of the towers, and you were a nutball, um, you know, a conspiratorialist. If you doubted the science, next it's going to be if you doubt global warming, you are a terrorist. You, you you are a global terrorist. You're a domestic terrorist. If you doubt Joe Biden, you're a domestic terrorist. Um. You see how this all builds? We can't just blindly accept what the government says. We can't just blindly accept what an official says. Because they may have reasons to want to lie to you. And they do it very well. It's one thing I've been noticing. The people who lie to us lie very, very well. I don't know if they've got themselves convinced or if they're just practiced at lying. But boy, oh boy, they they don't bat an eye. They don't roll their eyes. They don't look away. They look right at you and they smile and tell you a lie. So, (sighs) do some praying for this country, people. Because we certainly need it. We need a little bit of godly intervention. Because you um, can't trust man or woman. Uh, you can trust God. So that has been my wrap-up for the, for the week. I know it was kind of a heavy subject and getting into some deep things. Challenging uh, normal thinking on stuff. But you got to do it, people. got to be willing to do it. Anyhow, God bless, say your prayers, and uh, see you next week. This is a Dunn's Deal. Tell your friends and neighbors to tune in Friday evenings at 6.05 for Jim's perspective on the issues of the week. You're listening to WNRI One Socket.